uh, Ziff, you're going to get on out of here, man? Yeah, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Have a good one. Before we get started, does anyone else want to get out? <laughs> My All of us. All of us. Starting on what? Hold on, man. Y'all going to start sacrificing people and shit? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs>
are pretty heavy this week because it's just been, as is want in America, uh, a lot of police brutality against people of color. Um, and so this provides the perfect backdrop to talk about something that's going on in San Antonio, which is a city in which all of us live in, uh, in terms of a measure that is a bit hand in hand with the movement in the United States in terms of cleaning up the police force, which is, uh, de- quote unquote, defunding the police. And so before we get to that, let's talk about the measure, which is Proposition B. And basically, all Proposition B seeks to do is take away the police union's ability to collectively bargain with the city. So what does that do? It basically means all the things that and rules and regulations that they have ever bargained for are immediately erased um, and then they have, they will have to fall under a different section of the city code, um, which honestly doesn't do a ton to f- fix the current situation with the police force. They'll still have a lot of the same rules in place. Uh, but it's basically a start in starting over, which is basically what the proposition is designed to do is to begin a process in which we start our police forces rules and regulations over and rebuild it from the ground up. Various cities have already started doing some of these uh, these measures, or at least voting upon some of these measures, um, and they're always termed as defund the police, uh, because that's how the the discourse started online, and so the and the right has enjoyed that term because it makes it sound like we're going to get rid of all police forces everywhere and every time. So, starting at the beginning, how do you guys feel about Proposition B specifically and what it aims to do, and then we can get into the larger topic about defund the police. You know, famously, me and someone who's not on this pod, Ed White, Trey Blanco of Trey Blanco's podcast and grill, got into a bit of a heated back and forth on defund the police that Terrell basically had to mediate out of. And so I thought it would do us a, 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 I thought it made sense for us to have a larger discussion. Fortunately, Ed couldn't be with us here today, but, uh, have the larger discussion on what defund the police means, especially with Proposition B on the ballot in May. So whoever wants to take it first, go ahead. Uh, I, I will. Just because I, I actually want to shed a little bit of additional light on what this does, because I looked deep into this, not knowing that we were even going to talk about this. That's besides the point. Um, the what reason, a flex. the reason, well, no, I mean, it's more of like a, a, a reverse flex. Like I'm unprepared for this, but I looked into this ahead of time because I actually, you know, I come from a family who's very pro police and I myself am extremely anti police. So <laughs> I often have to find out what I'm talking about. So, long story short, Proposition B is to repeal, exactly like you said, to repeal the protections of the police collective bargaining with the city. The reason for this is to repeal long-term, to repeal the protections for quote-unquote bad cops, people who do abuse power, people who uh, are enshrined, have protections enshrined for them inherently by the, the union. The only way to undo these protections is to repeal the collective bargaining. The real target of Proposition B is to set up a future repeal of those old protections, which cannot be repealed until the police bargaining is off the table. The problem this creates is that this is going to unfairly impact some members of the police, and, and a lot of the members of the police, because unions at their core are what's necessary to assure fair wages, to assure all this kind of stuff. Obviously, the police union, we're going to get into it, they have other problems, but specifically, that's the point of a union, to protect the workers. They're going to lose those protections. And it's not the fault of them. It's not the fault of the voters, even though that's how people are going to misconstrue all of this. They're going to say, hey, you're, you're literally taking money out of the police. No, 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 no. 
Y'all are taking money out of the police because you gave them all these bullshit protections. Anyways, the, the, the real target here is to get rid of those protections. But as a byproduct, police are going to lose job security. And this specifically matters for the city because if the city doesn't like you, they can just let you go. And that's a big deal for some jobs. That, that, that creates a power dynamic that, that's, you know, something we get into, I'm sure. Um, personally for Proposition B, I'm for the repeal, or I'm for, I'm voting yes for it. I'm, I'm for the repeal for it. I, I agree it's the first step. It's a necessary first step. I do have trepidations about the, the power vacuum it's going to create because there is no follow up to this on the table yet. If this was like a comprehensive thing, like, oh, this is happening and this is happening, I would feel much more comfortable with it. But with government, the same people may not be in charge in two years. So all we're doing is creating a power vacuum without a solution that's going to leave the, I mean, this could potentially go on for years and, and really hurt some people. And, um, and it, and it should be, it should be noted that if the, the city, the, the city and the police union are currently bargaining right this moment. Yep. And if they come to an agreement yeah. before that deadline uh, hits in September, which I believe is September 31st, there's no 31st day of September, so that's, that can't be right. But anyway, before the sometime in September, the, the current agreement will run out. If they come to an agreement before, then that agreement will remain in effect, no matter what happens uh, with Proposition B. So that should also be noted, that they're not exactly flying without a net completely, even if this, even if Proposition B does, it, it, it does set up to be to repeal their collective bargaining rights. It just means they will no longer be able to do that in the future. Yep. And you're, yeah. you're right on that. So hey, that was my take on it. I just, I wanted to clarify, you know, what, what my trepidations are with it because I think they're fair. I, I can't say a hundred percent. This is like a lock. You should vote. Yes. But I do think that if you don't vote, yes, you're setting up a future where it will never, ever be repeated. Yeah. Um, for me, I want to start by saying that I am for Proposition B, but I also want to address some stuff that Austin was saying, um, especially in regards to, um, you know, if it, if this does go through, it's going to, of course, affect, um, the police officers. And he was saying it was because of no fault of their own. I actually disagree slightly with that just because, you know, at this point, it, it seems that when these murders happen, um, when these brutalities happen, Ideally, in the beginning, what we're looking for is for them to kind of, you know, step up and say, hey, we don't stand for this. This is not okay to kind of, you know, take that stance to say, yeah, this is not wrong. They should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And that really didn't happen uniformly. Um, and that, you know, it's been the case for since this has gone on for about two years now. So now it, it it's pretty obvious that we can't no longer we can no longer trust them to, to police themselves in a sense in terms of holding their own people accountable. So in that case, we have to do something that's more drastic, which means come after, you know, your protections, which means come after the organization as a whole. So while it's not fully on the officers because, you know, they are the foot soldiers in terms of, you know, what's going on, um, I don't absolve them of, of all blame in this, though, in regards to, you know, how they handle it. Because, you know, when this started happening, what what was their response to Black Lives Matter? Black oh, Matter okay. You know, stuff like that. So it's I like they... At every turn, they put up that blue shield to protect the brotherhood when, you know, it really should have been of, you know, yeah, we, we're good cops and there are some bad ones, too. So if there's bad ones, we're with you. Let's get them out of here. Let's do whatever we can to get them prosecuted and make sure that they're brought to justice. But that really didn't happen. It was more they kind of got defensive. You know, they, they were making stuff up. Um, so many times we've seen that if there were no cameras involved or a video, uh, a phone to record some stuff, this stuff would have never came out. A lot of things you're seeing now happened like a year ago, two years ago, and just yep. now in the footage released by the police department and seeing what's going on. So this has been going on for who, God, who knows how long, generations, 
And there's always been that distrust, but now it's kind of been confirmed time and time and time again with more and more evidence coming out. So now it's very clear that, yeah, something is systematically wrong with the police departments in America, throughout the entirety of America. So in that sense, I, I can't feel too bad about, you know, them getting punished now because that's how it goes. Sometimes you get punished for the past mistakes of, you know, those before you and what's currently going on right now, too. Um, so I think it, it's a good step, you know, to open up a few more options in terms of, you know, if we need to take away some protection to hold more people accountable, uh, to maybe filter out the type of police officers we want roaming our streets and keeping us safe. We need to have more of a say and more power to, to do it because right now there's no incentive to really change anything. Right. Again, I, you can go out there and police the way you've been policing, beat somebody up and then, you know, be sent home on vacation, time off with pay. And for anybody else in the other profession, that's not how it would work. Or, you know, you might get you might get uh, in trouble for something and what you get is suspended and put on death duty. You don't go to jail. You don't go to prison. You don't lose, you know, years off your life being in prison like a regular person like me and you. So in that situ in that sense, you know, something has to change because right now it seems that they are themselves above the law when they're supposed to be upholding the law. And I, I just super quick, I 100% agree with everything you said. When I meant it's going to unfairly impact some of the policemen, I mean the ones that, like, when they signed up to be officers, whatever their reason may be, right. they did not expect their collective bargaining to disappear from late. I, that, that's all I mean by that. Oh, yeah. I 100% right. agree. No, and I feel it, you on that yeah, one. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think you can debate how much the average police officer knows about it. A lot of it depends on, you know, who they've been around and, you know, who their superior officers are and their training officers and stuff like that. Having worked for the state for a brief time, you got a lot of people that don't really understand what the union does for them or what the collective bargaining, collective bargaining does for them. My, where I fall on this subject is, is, and I'm, and I'm hoping that, you know, HB1 has something to do with this, um, or at least, you know, it's a step in the direction of helping in this area, which is taxpayers should not be paying for millions and billions of dollars worth of lawsuits and settlements. Um, taxpayer money should not be paying for someone that has failed to do their job as a police officer and whether they injured somebody or killed somebody, um, you know, when that person isn't prosecuted, when that officer isn't prosecuted, at least up to the extent that they should be, they can just bounce to another town and and be a cop over there. There's a there's a lot of things that I you know, and I'll be honest with you because I'm not as voracious a reader, so I'm not I'm I'm sort of grasping on to what the media has you know sort of given me and what I'm hearing from you guys as far as what this particular um, uh, HB1 does. But at the same time, those are the things that I'm concerned with. What 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 sends us in the direction where we can get rid of some of that? Because we talk about defunding the police. Um, and I know that that term has been just bastardized in a really horrible way to where people just literally think what Derek was talking about, which is just, okay, no police. But realistically, and you know, Derek alluded to this when we talked about when you and Ed had that brief conversation about it, which was, I want some of the money that's going towards police that realistically, I don't know 100% that they need all of. I want some of that to go to the school. I want some of that to go towards mental health experts that can respond to some of these, you know, domestic situations where people are having, you know, psychotic issues and stuff like that. I want the money to go towards that. I don't want to see the cops pull through my neighborhood in an MRAP with armor all over it, 
you know, and they jump out like they're getting ready to liberate somebody's town. Like, I don't want to, I don't want money going towards that because I don't think that's necessary if you have a society that is getting the kind of help it needs from where that money should be going. So, you know, if HB1 helps with that, wonderful. I'm, I'm all for that. Um, as far as the collective bargaining, I don't know a ton about that. Usually when we're talking about collective bargaining, we're talking about it in terms of football and basketball and baseball. Uh, but realistically, you know, if they're going to have to lose some protections for the rest of us to kind of get a better understanding of why they're still doing the things that they're doing, even though it's out there and in the street. I mean, we talked about recording. We literally have video of things happening. We're being told that what we're seeing in front of our eyes is not actually the real deal or that we need to, oh, well, there's more to it or you haven't seen the whole story. But a lot of that is because of this whole collective bargaining and the unions and all that. Realistically, these people are protected and they have no incentive to stop doing the things that they're doing. We saw what happened with the, with the lieutenant up in, in Virginia. Like, cops that are protected from top to bottom, that's, that's why they do stuff like that. Because they pretty much feel like there's no way in hell that they're ever going to lose this job. Or that they can just go to the next town and become cops there. And, and so if this goes anywhere towards helping with that, and if San Antonio has to be the, the, the jump point for this, and wherever these other cities are that they're doing it in, great. I'd like to be voted for it myself. Uh, JR, man, you yeah. seem like you're the last one to, to, to get your two cents in. What do you got? All right. Well, first off, before I start, uh, I need to apologize to, uh, I think it was Austin. I got distracted because I know you got like one of those backgrounds set up, but I could clearly see cat ass being thrown in your face. <laughs> so it, it threw me the hell off for a second. I got, that's why, that's part of the reason why I got this on here because the cats are always fucking around. Like the cats like jump up on here and like I'm pushing down all the time, man. <laughs> cat ass. Cat ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, so, um, Honestly, this topic has a lot of different, like, nuances, a lot of different things that you got to unpack and look at. I'll start off by saying, yes, I am uh, for the Proposition B. Uh, I think it would be a nice step in the right direction. But there's there's a few things that we have to look at and in the same, um, I guess, say in the same window, like the cons of it. But I look at it from both uh, both sides of the street. The issue really comes from the type of police department that San Antonio has. So San Antonio has a full-service police department, and because they have that, basically, anytime you call the police, it doesn't matter what the hell it's for, they have to show up. You can call them because uh, your cat's stuck in the tree. If you call the police, the police will have to show up to just file the report, yada, yada, whatever the BS is. So with that already being an issue, San Antonio struggles to keep and maintain a fully staffed police department. That's where they start coming in with the whole entire defunding thing. So the whole entire thing that they're thinking or they believe is they need to keep those protections in place because it guarantees them a security net of, okay, maybe my officer did something stupid, but I can bring them back, you know, underneath the table, so to speak, without you knowing too much about it. It's, you know, not as often as the officers going out and, you know, popping somebody in the ass. But 
with today's climate and all the things that are happening, it's starting to become more and more obvious and more and more um, relevant that it's not actually just police shooting people, it's police abusing their power. There was a story that uh, that was in circulation for San Antonio, I think about three, four years ago, where there was a police officer who was uh, pulling over women uh, accused of prostituting, and he was uh, letting them go because he would get a little bit of sloppy top in the back of his uh, patrol car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, right here in San Antonio. Yep, exactly. So those are the things uh, I would say, you know, that we got to look at both ends. It's like I said, it, are we in a position to where we can afford to lose, I would say, the excess of patrol cars or patrol, uh, patrolmen on duty, whereas or, or are we in a position to where we can make those changes and we're able to transition properly into the next segment of correcting the wrongs that have been institutionalized in the police force? Now, the thing that they keep talking about as far as it goes for defunding and they keep saying that they're scared about because of the finances, San Antonio or Texas itself bases its payroll or pay grade off of the other major cities around it. So San Antonio, what their uh, like I said, what their CBA is doing right now is trying to push to get something a little bit more similar to Houston or the Dallas area. Our metropolitan is growing. We need to have a police force or our officers being paid like that. You get more money to be a police officer in Dallas, um, and they're not. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're not a full uh, full service police force than it is for San Antonio. So it's just like little balances here and there. But overall, like I said, I'm for it because you can't have the police police themselves. If you put a child at a kitchen table with a big-ass piece of cake and they eat it, you're going to look at that child and say, okay, I need you to come up with a suitable punishment for yourself. You're right, Mom. You're right, Dad. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and have another piece. Yep. That's, that's, how that, that's how it's just going to work. So that's the reason why I would say I'm for it. But we just have to, like I said, we have to tread lightly and understand the things that could potentially break down with it on the other end. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where over time the police and the police union have grabbed more and more power. Um, and so when, when you grab power, you, you, you're going to use that power to protect yourself. That's, that's human nature. That's how it works. But it's created this specifically with how the history of police, what they were formed to do, how we've trended towards law and order every decade, being more stringent and more stringent with law and order, how we view law and order in this country, tying it to, you know, the impoverished and keeping them either intentionally or unintentionally poor with fines and, you know, just things of that nature. We we police, (laughs) America's system of policing is broken. And so the only way to fix that is honestly to start over in multiple respects. And no one really wants to hear that. No one really wants to do that. And I understand because it's change. It's, it could cost people jobs. Um, there's, there's livelihoods at stake. And that's a, that's a very real fear. And I understand that. But the way that we're continuing, the way that we're doing this now, um, is broken. And we've counted on the police to fix it. And we've asked them to fix it. And they have not done that. And so at a certain point, you have to take a more drastic measure. As, da- as Daniel said, when you, when your cries to 
fix something go unheard, you have to step in and fix it yourself. And and that just makes sense that this is the inevitable outcome because, frankly, when you have power, you you don't give it back. Someone has to take it from you. That's mostly how it works. In a perfect world, it wouldn't be how it works, but that's how it works. And so it, it's been frustrating to me from the standpoint of whenever we have one of these discussions about defunding the police or Proposition B, or I know there was some work in Florida that a mayor did with his police force, got a ton of input on it, worked hand-in-hand with the community, and then when they got something that was suitable, the police were against it. And it's like, whenever these situations happen, you talk about the accountability that y'all need to have and how things need to shape up and ship and, and get right, but then when we try to put in measures for accountability, they oppose them at every turn. This is no different with this measure. And so it's a bit frustrating, and I understand that the police don't want to lose their power, and they have real stake in this, but they don't ever offer, hey, we, we can't do this, but maybe we can do this. Instead, it's, right. it's hey, we need more training. It's like, well, you've been getting more training for years now, and these, are st- these things are still happening, so there's something wrong that is outside of, we need more training. Well, the training system itself is just what's broken. Oh, yeah, a lot of the time... Yeah, it's just like, oh, you're going to sit in this class and watch a video from 1969 about right. how to handle black folks or handle Latinos, and we're going to go from there, and you just sign off on the document. I think there was one case, uh, actually, I think it is the, uh, the uh, oh my gosh, I can't even think of his name right now, I'm drawing the blank, but the one in Minnesota, they were going through his training log, and they were showing yeah. how he was missing certain ones, right. and they're asking, well, did he show up to these classes? Uh, because there was some that were some that were signed, and they're like, "Well, we don't know if he shot or showed up or not," but it shows he has a signature. Yeah, so right. you're just basically letting them sign off on the training without doing it. So sure. we need to have some system in place to where their training is uh comparable to that of like I would say a paramedic, a firefighter, a doctor. Like right. you're in a position to where they may save lives, but you have the potential to save and take lives. Agreed. You need training for that. Well, not only that, but if you look at the things that there's a couple of things that you shouldn't have, uh, uh, like a police officer with a gun and all that. Like, there's some things they shouldn't even be enforcing. I'm sorry, but you know, like uh, Dante uh, Dante White, like why I don't I till this day don't understand the idea of oh your registration is expired. Um, To me, that's just not something that a police officer who you know, if you're okay, you're enforcing the law. That's cool. But I found, and just by knowing, you know, some police officers in, in, you know, in the past, a lot of them use things like that to pull people over. And it's, it's literally like, okay. And it's, and it's sad because in a roundabout way, they realize like they'll see a car full of, you know, whether it's Latinos or black people. Or maybe it's just one black person. And they see that and it starts with the mentality of, yeah, that person's got to be dirty. That person's got to be doing something wrong. But I haven't seen them do anything wrong yet, so I got to figure out a reason. And and there you go. Well, the registration is expired. Let's roll with that. Or they didn't wait X amount of seconds after they turned on their signal before they changed lanes. There's all these little things that the police are using as, quote, enforcement or using as violations to find a reason to pull over a person of color so that they don't have to say simply that they pulled that person over because they were a person of color. 
And I think that's important because, like I said, there's a lot of things that just should not fall on the shoulders of, and I don't mean to put it in a way where it's like, oh, this is something they have to do and it sucks for them. They shouldn't, they, they shouldn't be involved with certain things. I don't think cops should be showing up when someone calls the police and says, my son uh, forgot to take his medicine and he's paranoid or he's, you know, uh, he's a schizophrenic and he's going through some things right now or this. I don't think police should be called in those situations or if they are, they should merely be backup while somebody with some expertise can show up and actually do what somebody in that position, you know, get, give somebody something that they need that's in that position. Uh, speaking of the person that might be having this, you know, mental breakdown or what have you. There's a lot of things that cops are showing up to and people are getting shot or hurt or killed or, or, or worse because not that there's too much worse than that, but there's too many instances where the police are showing up in their situations where we just heard it was, a, I think it was, um, late last year. There was a guy in Philadelphia and his mom called the police, I think two or three times that day and said, Hey, you know what? He doesn't have his medication. He's freaking out. I just need y'all to come and just help him like he's not dangerous but he's you know he's going through some things and like they came out and they shot the dude like that was, boom, that was like, the one that came down the stairs with the bat yeah, apparently Cause I, so I, yeah because yeah, i said multiple times i'm like you know i understand it's a high stress environment and stuff like right. that but you know if somebody's got a bat your first reaction should drop right i mean let's be realistic there's a, a dude a few days ago in minnesota an old white dude 61 year old white dude he drove off with a, a cop truck. on the car he drove off with a cop and hit the cop in the head with a hammer as he was driving 50 60 miles per hour down the yeah, road y'all didn't see this video it's hanging wild. on yeah. the cop never at one point mm-hmm. decided to pull out his weapon and shoot he didn't shoot to take he didn't take out tires he backed into a cop car hit another cop car almost ran over a couple of cops and the one that was on the side of his truck he was driving down the road with my man hit the dude with the hammer hit the cop with a hammer they never thought to shoot this dude they never thought to shoot out tires and it's like there's this thing where it's just like i've always felt like this is a mentality thing when you've been trained and and they are you i think you alluded to this you've been trained going back to the 60s 70s black people are like this latinos are like this this is what you can expect if you're in their neighborhood. This is what you can expect if you're in this part of town and you're around these type of people. This is what you can expect. They automatically are conditioning these police, conditioning these police officers to think that they're in this sort of quote unquote war zone where anytime they turn around, they can be jumped on, shot at, stabbed, what have you. And that's the mentality that they seem to be going into these situations with. And I feel like that's a part of the issue. I'm not going to take this off of the individual police officers and say that it's not their fault, but it is ingrained in the training and it is systemic because they're being taught. I, growing up in Oakland, it was so funny because we were cracking a joke. We were in a chat the other day or yesterday about cops in Baltimore or Maryland admitting that they carried around a bag full of toy guns so that they could toss it in case they accidentally shot a kid or shot somebody and they could say, Oh, well, he had a toy gun. I thought it was a real gun. And I was, and I was, and I was joking, but also being honest and telling the truth in Oakland, that was a normal thing. Like we used to, it used to be like, Hey, 
don't play with toy guns because the cops got enough toy guns to throw on you if they accidentally shoot your ass if they see you in the street playing. Like that that was always a thing that we used to know about when we were kids. So yeah. it's this mentality, I'm gonna be on this part of town, so I need to have my head on a swivel and I need to expect that I may have to shoot my fire my weapon or that I may have to you know, go head to head with some with some guy, some black person or something like that. They have a mentality. And and that's really a big part of this. So when you start thinking about the money that we put into these police forces, whether they're full service or not, uh, and how they're protected, we can't pay tax money to have them police themselves in situations where they don't even know how to train themselves correctly. They literally don't train themselves correctly. That's part of it. And I'm not talking about written training. I'm talking about the type of stuff where when your training officer is riding along with you, like this knucklehead that couldn't tell supposedly her taser from a, from a Glock. Um, she was a training officer with a trainee with her that day when that happened. They are teaching these cops the wrong way to do things from the beginning. And that's the sad part because they're also dragging these kids that wanted to go overseas and join the military because they wanted to shoot somebody without getting in trouble. And they're making them cops, and then they're giving them training from training officers that claim they can't tell a taser from a Glock. It's all just, a, again, this is what we talk about when we talk about systemic. This is what we talk about. <laughs> it's sad. Yeah, yeah and I, I agree with, like, damn near everything you said. Um, the training part, to specifically touch on that, um, y'all are right. The training is, 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 is lackluster at best, terrible. The, the most effective training that I've ever been through has always been the training that's upfront about real problems. Um, and in my line of work, uh, because I, I deal with apartments, uh, my line of work, the most common training that I receive is on fair housing, which is you got to lease everybody equally, all that kind of stuff. The training that the state and the, and the government provide for that, the federal government, is blunt. It's straight up like, look, yeah, this is what people do. If you do this, we're going to sue you to hell and back. They, they admit there's problems and they address those problems specifically. And that training is much more effective. The police training doesn't do that. The police training says, okay, here's a scenario. You know, this is how you can approach this. Here's the proper way to do it, blah, blah, blah. But they don't address the fact that, like, look, y'all are shooting people at a disproportionate rate because they're black. You need to be conscious of your bias going into these areas. That's not the kind of training that they're providing for you. The training system needs an overhaul. I agree with everything y'all are saying because I'm always saying that the, the root of most problems is education. And if you train people better, that'll get rid of a lot of stuff. Systemic issues aside, I agree with all that. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on when you were talking about uh, funding, specifically defunding, uh, just out of curiosity, because I don't know if any of y'all saw this report or not, the U.S. government spends on its military $731 billion a year. Almost a trillion. The next closest military is China at 261 billion. So the U.S. military is three times what China is. If y'all were to guess, knowing that I just said those two numbers, where would the U.S. police rank in terms of global military spending? Y'all have any guesses on that? Uh, I would say probably probably more than most countries. I'll keep it simple for y'all. Third. Wow. The U.S. is police get 116 billion dollars a year. India pays 71 billion at their number four. So the U.S. police force is the third highest funded private military. That alone is is absurd. Like when you think of 
Russia, when you think of, you know, even China, right? they're not blowing this money and they're quote unquote fascist. I mean, they are fascist states and whatever. <laughs> like, I don't want, you know, I'm not trying to get into politics, but you right. know, these people, they, they rule with an iron fist. They're pushing people out windows and shit. You're right. telling me with 116 billion, we can't run a better police force. We Especially can't. when you consider the fact that we put the most people in jail in the whole, yeah. in the whole world. And all that, how are you Absolutely. spending all that money on your police report, but you got all these people in jail. Absolutely like, they wasteful are doing their spending. job. Absolutely wasteful spending. <laughs> I don't have the exact stat for it. I meant to pull it up ahead of time, but over the past 20 years, when people are talking about defunding the police, the police have defunded the cities for the past mm. 20 years. Yep. Police budgets have steadily increased, like for yep. reasons like y'all said, lawsuits and other stuff like that, but they've defunded the cities. It's yeah. not a matter of taking money back. It's about reestablishing yeah. governments that work. Like, why are my kids' teachers telling us to send the kids to school with glue and 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 uh, cotton balls and Q-tips for for stuff? When I was a kid, even in Oakland, like most of that stuff was already there. We just had to come to school with like our pads and pencils and stuff. Literally, yeah. like our teachers are saying, like, "Hey, can you send the kids with this? Because we're going to do this project." So well, they're doing little projects. Yeah, and the teachers yeah. are getting donations. Which don't get me wrong, I'm happy to do. But oh my yeah, but it shouldn't be our is, job. But I that agree. should yeah. not be something that we should be having to do when we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in major cities on police forces that realistically aren't doing their jobs very well. And that's crazy to me. Like. You know, and that's where I, I mean, that's why I keep falling back on that, which is that money could be used. And so even if it doesn't leave the police force, get some get some additional areas at the police force that can take some of these situations out of their hands that have been resulting in really horrible things happening when they were never really situations where people should have been harmed or injured. And they're resulting in deaths sometimes because we're not putting that money the more money, more money than they should be getting is not even being allocated correctly. And that's the problem, man. It's like week, y'all are getting more than y'all need and y'all still not using it right. The week following George Floyd's murder, uh, everything got under a big microscope, of course. San Antonio, um, you know, I killed myself for forgetting the exact numbers. San Antonio immediately pushed to start a independent review board of police shootings. Um, the problem is it's a five-person panel of government elected officials, two of them are hand named by the chief of police. Nope. Like, it's not an independent board. Yeah, the majority is in the other thing, but all that does is create government pissing matches between the mayor and the police and all that. And, and, and there's, when there's a vested interest to stay in power, you cannot rule other objective or objective. So, yeah, no, you're talking about Austin. And Austin, they have this, they have the same ideal, but their board is, separate it's not funded by the uh by the local government or anything it's a it's a separate board that in uh investigates any any negative action or anything that happens with police that could be damning or detrimental to the uh city yeah so it should be yeah well i would say i think the the biggest issue with this though is really incentive it's not even the training i think you know more training doesn't really do much if there's no incentive for you to learn anything I can give you a hundred classes on like, say coding. If you don't care about coding, you're never going to learn to act how to code or something. So I think when, when please say, okay, well, you know, sudden such happens, you're going to add more training. It's more like a cop out because if you don't hold them to it, it's just another box to check in terms of, okay, I did training to learn about not shooting people. Let me go back to work. Um, Why I say incentive though, is because usually in other forms of either government or organizations that are funded by the government, 
if you don't perform, you lose money. That's a big part of even in the actual government itself. Like if you're not performing or or anything like that, you you lose money. Uh, we mentioned schools before. Actually, it's a big thing for public schools. If the attendance drops, they lose their funding. That's why they have truant officers and they want you to go to school every day because if they don't have those people in the seats, they lose their funding. If the scores go down in terms of the testing, they lose potential funding or additional funding as well. They don't have that currently for the police departments. If they do something wrong, if they have like an increase in the number of shootings, if they have an increase in the number of lawsuits or something, they're not worried about saying, oh, next year our budget is going to be smaller. Like, no, it's going to be the same, if not higher. So why would anybody have incentive to actually have meaningful change if they right. know that everything's going to be okay the next day, the next month, the next year? Right. Um, are there people making sure that people are going to the classes? Probably not. They're probably just checking the box off and letting them go because why? They're, we're not going to lose any money. We just need to make right. sure they have it checked off so someone comes and asks, like, yeah, here's a little paper that they went and we're good to go. Yeah. So in that sense, why would there be any type of meaningful change with more training if there's no downside to them really not either doing the training or understanding the training or, or enforcing it or or auditing or anything like that, it's not really going on because again, as we've seen, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah. There's no there's no type of, you know, speed bumps or setbacks or anything. Right. So if it's always going up, you know, going straight to the moon, then what's the point of even tra- changing anything? We'll if do anything, something if anything, they incentivize the opposite way because let's look at the look at the cop. Well, she's not a cop anymore. She's she's out of she's not on the force anymore. But the, the former police officer, I think it was in Buffalo, New York, years ago, some 10, 15, 20 years ago, she stopped her fellow cop from choking a guy to death, and they kicked her off the force and took away yeah. her pension. Yep. And yeah. she had to go to court for years, and she finally, the like black within officer the last the couple thing. of weeks, yeah, as a black female officer, yep. she oh, it's finally the same one. got I didn't her know pension back. Yeah, yep. she yep. finally got her pension back after they took her pension away. Because she stopped another cop from from killing somebody using an illegal choke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and like, Daniel, to your your they point about the, tra- in the opposite direction. No, exactly. To your point about training, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if y'all got the sense from your jobs, but a hundred percent, the only purpose of training from a corporate level is to legally cover your ass. Mm-hmm. So, like, yep. if it ever was to go to court, the co- the company's like, hey, we gave them training. So yep. you're exactly right. Like the training doesn't mean shit if it's not being enforced because it's just a box. Yeah. And then on the other hand, say it's like, okay, well, say like we're working in IT. I'm going to send Austin to learn a specific type of like a uh, software or whatever because that's going to be his job going forward. You're going to actually pay attention because it's like, okay, when I come back to work, that's going to be my job going forward. So I have to make sure I actually learn this now because my incentive is if I don't learn this, I'm going to lose my job or something. Yeah. But if that's not there, you're like, okay, I'm going to go and maybe go party instead or go to the bar while I'm like in the conference or something and don't want really to care about it. It's Which like, is why this is so hard to wrap your brain around, like as an outsider, the lack of accountability. Because any other job, like, you're gone. They don't, like, they're like, hey, just, you know, set, set your shit down, man. You ain't even finished the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to lighten it or anything, but I didn't know that, that the, the, the girl who shot the the kid, uh, well, he was a kid. He's twenty nineteen, right? Uh, yeah. I didn't know she was training an officer that same day. Yeah, like I don't want to make light of it or anything. He but was there, that, like, how do you like think literally. That debrief went at the end of the day. They're like, Thank all right, you, you got exactly. any questions about today's work? Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like, uh, yeah. He's like the part where we kill the kid. Is that yeah. is that like, normal? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and you can see in the video, like, the looks on the faces of the other two officers. Because I think there was three on the scene total. And yep. You can just see the look on their faces, and it's like when I, when I heard, when I read that, I just thought to myself, like, 
that in a nutshell, like kind of proves the point that a lot of people have been making about these situations, which is there's this mentality, there's this escalation, um, you know, this environment of escalating things that don't need to be escalated. Yes, this kid tried to run, don't get me wrong, but it's like the fact that, that they had guns out. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, like he's, what, he's, he's a mile away from where George Floyd died. I mean, yeah, like a few miles away. Yeah. And it's like, to me, I'm like, it's the fact that they had guns out. Like, well, it's you the fact can, that they drew guns in a situation for a trying tra- traffic Yeah, for a traffic stop that right. is for him having misdemeanors that right. are for minor drug possession, which is, right. you know, a little bit of weed. Yeah. And, you know, there's just no reason to use force. There should, there really shouldn't be a reason to use force at all. There's definitely should not, not be even a reason. the taser. Yeah, the taser was already <laughs> inappropriate. The taser wasn't even necessary. Like but, if she had gotten away, if she had actually pulled the taser, I still would have been like, "What was that? Why? Let that dude drive off. You catch and, him later." And we saw in the situation with the other the gentleman, the, the 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 lieutenant, where the dude just straight pepper sprayed him, and, yeah. and for no reason. And so like, this is yeah. this is in their mind to use force when force is not needed well, as as a heated too. as a as a means to quote unquote get people in line uh, when you don't feel like they're following demands properly and, and and there's so many things wrong with that situation he didn't really address why he was stopping the guy he didn't address why everything was so escalated he didn't address why guns were drawn he just expected him to comply um and yep. that's how they're trained. Is, yep. is to demand respect without actually giving out any respect. Right. You don't have to have not, a which, reason. Which is untenable. That's not how it's not, it's going to escalate situations that don't need to be escalated. And it does. I, it, time and time again, you see them escalate situations that don't need to be escalated. And then add on to that, they do not have the proper em- empathy to deal with black people because we see when they escalate other situations with white people, those white people remain alive. Yep. Because they say, oh, well, this is a human. So I have to extend some extra courtesy that they're in a tense situation. But for whatever reason, well, not for whatever reason, we know the reason, they don't extend that same empathy to people of color. And so they're escalating these situations. They don't have the requisite level of empathy. They don't have the requisite level of oversight. So it's no surprising that we're getting what we're getting with these situations. And so something's got to, we, we, that's, that has to, that has to be fixed. Um, well, I, to, I agree with Daniel. The tipping point seems to be the lack of repercussion. Because if we've learned anything over the last four years, ten years, whatever you want to say, um, you know, most of America was kind of held together with this, like, there's repercussion belief. And we found out that there's really not. And now it's just escalating more and more and more. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there in the car earlier today and I'm listening to, to 99 Problems. And I love that song. But, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this ain't flying now. Like, Jay-Z's getting shot, bro. <laughs> like, he's sitting there, like, disrespecting a cop like that. Nah, I didn't yeah. And I'm like, that's only what, 20 years removed from how it was, where there already was this antagonistic relationship, obviously, and for good reason. But there was still the mutual, like, you know, you can't kill him because Rodney King happened, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, there was that mutual line of like, look, we don't like each other, but at least I'm not going to be killing you in the street. And at some point, that's been dropped. And, and well, who knows what the tipping point was, but it's gone now. That, that right. fear of repercussions gone. Well, no. So the fear of repercussion isn't isn't so much that it was gone. 
the Rodney King thing was uh, was a shocking awe moment because that was the first time it was officially on camera. It was the first time you could see that happening. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. why I was like, oh, wait, hold on, let's let's slow down a little bit. Yeah. But what you guys have been alluding to the entire time with the lack of accountability, that's not a police issue. That's an American issue. That's a corporation. That's a capitalist issue. Our police force, in my opinion, falls underneath the same branches like banking and our government. They do what the hell they want to do, and they govern themselves. So who's going to stop them? If nobody's there to stop them or regulate them, then there's no need for it. If our, I was shocked, like you said, about our police force being basically third as far as like a standing uh, military goes. If that's the case, then yeah, this is ballooned beyond what simple regulation will resolve because this now puts it on a national level of, of, I would say, course correction. There are too many instances happening where you're turning around and looking for there to be some kind of reconciliation for the police actions, only not just to be covered up by the police themselves, but by the government. When you take this to the the county judge and then you have to escalate it to the uh was it the state judge and then even going to the Supreme Court and everything and you're still getting the same answer over and over, that tells you that that's no, that the whole entire account, accountability system is broken from the ground floor. The whole entire thing needs to be redone. And unfortunately, if we're already embezzling that much money into it, it's going to be the same thing as the banks when we had the, uh, the financial collapse of 2008. They're going to get a slap on the wrist. And they're going to put mild uh, regulations in play for a few years to calm the waters. And then once we get distracted with something else, uh, who the fuck knows, uh, global warming maybe, uh, then all of a sudden we'll, you'll slowly start to hear that bits and pieces of legislation have been put into the bills involving something totally different about these exact same things we put in so much time and effort to change and adjust. So we really have to start looking at this now from a government standpoint. Our government is going into places and it has no business going into and setting us up basically to go against one another as opposed to regulate them the way that they need to be regulated. Because at the end of the day, the people are the ones who should be regulating the government. They shouldn't be regulating stuff. Uh, I mean, honestly, Jared, I have to disagree with that because I would pray that if we do something like, like we did to the, the banking center to the police department, because when that crash happened with the financial situation, it changed the way that lending worked for banks for forever. I, I've been working in banks for, for the past uh, quite a few years. So in terms of their practice, how much money they're making in, that was all gone because of their their poor, you know, how they're getting out the loans with just anybody and kind of people just qualifying for, for no reason. Um, there's been a wide sweeping change in terms of how we do overdraft fees. That's been changed forever. You can now opt in and opt out of that. Um, I, I worked at Wells Fargo after they had that whole issue with the, where they were opening like fake accounts for people just to get their numbers mm-hmm. up and everything. Once that happened, um, they had, you know, board members were fired. They were leadership fired. They took away all the bonuses for pretty much all the lower level people as well. So there was a big time change going on in, in these organizations. Now, more could have been done. I'm with you on that, but, 
We don't even see even to that extent for the police department, though. Like, I haven't heard anything about them losing, you know, bonuses or changing to regulations and stuff. Like, that's what we're asking for, though, is some type of change. Now, it could be further, like you said, for the banking center. There could be more done to kind of keep that more under control. But at least for them, they had some type of repercussions once they got found out, you know. Not to say that stuff won't go bad again because that's just human nature. But at least they, they got, you know, some type of punishment. But it really seems for these police officers, though, and police departments, though, they don't really get too much pushback in terms of that kind of sets them back. Because quite a few banks got set back by some of those regulations. It might have been for the short term, but at least it was a pretty substantial setback. We haven't seen that as of yet, I think, for since I can remember since I've been alive, for any type of police department or policing as a whole, at least in America. So, so the issue I have with that real quick is when you're talking about them being uh, punished, the bank, basically they were given essentially like a bond kind of situation to where we're going to punish you by telling you you have to pay us now $100 billion. But there's no timetable for in which you have to pay that back. It wasn't like you screwed the country royally. You need to pay this back within five years. It's, no, you screwed the country royally, but uh, you want to say 500 years, it's fine. So even if you're saying that they took a light hit, the light hit wasn't even noticeable for them. And some of the people, uh, some of the banks that end up losing out were ones that overall were already on the bubble, financial bubble as it was, and just only made it to where they could be bought up by the larger company, thus making Wells Fargo into the bigger giant that it was, or that it became. Um, and even the thing that you're bringing up about them opening up the account, that happened post all those laws and everything um, being, signed into, uh, being signed into effect. That was like Four years ago, three years ago, and mm-hmm. the only reason I know that is my brother was a part. Of, my brother and my uh, stepmom were actually a part of the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So that is what fifteen years the latter, or not fifteen, uh, ten years the latter, and they're back doing the same thing over uh, yet again. So my thing is, it's not to slap them on the wrist; it's to actually grab them by the wrist and put it behind their back and twist their arm until they make a change. But they, I'm saying, what I'm saying, they did make wide sweeping changes, and for the the checking account thing, that was illegal when they were doing it. So it's not like they uh, found something new loophole. It's just that when they they got found out afterwards, they were then once again punished. So what I'm saying is, more could always be done, but at least we see something and some type of change happen within this institution, but not the same thing for the police institution, though. Um, because I know it does seem that banks, you know, are as strong as ever. Because that, I mean, at this point. Banks are going to be a necessity as long as we have capitalism. They're not going to go away. So it is what it is. They're also going to have that certain level of power. But you at least can change and kind of at least have some type of penalty against them. Whereas, you know, compared to the police department, we haven't really at least seen anything like that even close to coming to it. Um, in my lifetime, anyways, for, for what I can remember. Well, you said we're not going to make this a Hamilton podcast. Maybe you go bring in the banking system. It's all about banking, baby. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad you bring that up, Dee, because I have. You know, based off you and JR's conversation, I have a, a question. Is, is the police department an extension of this too big to fail mindset? And what I mean by that is that people view the police as such a necessity. And I'm not here to argue that, but they view them as such a necessity that we can't put the proper regulations. We can't deconstruct the system enough to actually fix the problem, because if we do so, you know, the fear is, or at least the police would have you believe, the fear is if we start trying to deconstruct some of these systems, 
and rebuild them from the ground up, that crime will be rampant, that crim- the criminality will be rampant, that your streets will be unsafe. And so as long as we're in that mindset, are we going to be able to fix this problem, which I think is the essential defund the police question, because the the always the the pushback behind where we can't defund the police is that if we defund the police, crime will happen. Rampant crime will happen. Um, if the police aren't there, who will protect us? And so for black people, it's, it's different because black people are like, well, they're not protecting us anyway. So, right. we, exactly. I, so why would I give a fuck if, if, if we defund the police? Because right. I'm already not protected. But for white people, that's different because they do feel protected. And so, so when you, when you, when you, when your core argument is they're too big to fail because they protect us, how do you get past that? Or do you not see it that way? Cause well, I, I, you, I think you answered your own question in the, in your, your, your explanation of it. I agree that with the American mindset. Cause it wasn't a question, Austin. It was me. No. <laughs> oh, really? Cause you started the paragraph with, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I messing, I'm, me- I'm no, messing around. No, no, I'm messing around. <laughs> uh, no, uh, with the current American mindset of what the police are, the answer is no. Uh, you cannot extrapolate what the police ideally are versus what, what the police should be. Um, specifically, the police serve the dollar at the bottom line. Like the, the police do serve the economy. The, it is not a crime in America to create a, a ballistic missile, sell it to Saudi Arabia and do all this kind of stuff that's definitely going to hurt people. But it is a crime to go into Walmart and steal stuff. And, and obviously, you know, shoplifting, stealing, none of that. I'm not making a case for that, but I'm saying like that, that is what the police will police. They're not going to police these other crimes because those are crimes that the government is committing. So the police are not anti-crime. They're anti-citizen at their core. Like the police are here to protect institutions from the citizen. It could be the institution of homeownership. It could be the institution of, uh, you know, just basic safety. You know, those are all institutions in a way. But the police are not anti-crime because if they were anti-crime, they'd be policing themselves. It's just not how it works. So I agree with you that with the, the current mindset of how people view the police, that if we defund them, that crime suddenly wins the war. But there's not a war. Like, hum- human nature will always be at war with the essence of criminality and, and, and whatever, because there's always going to be bad actors. But the police are not the only factor in that. The police are not the thing keeping the world from going to shit. Because you have other countries that don't spend nearly as much on police. You have other countries that work on a quote-unquote honor system. You know, these kind of things are built into their cultures and they work. Meanwhile, America is spending a hundred billion dollars on their police force to turn around and have zero accountability. So yes, you can defund the police and not have crime increase. My bigger fear with defunding the police is zero accountability for the police stopping to police. Because if you start to take away their money, they're going to stop showing up for calls as a protest. And that's when you run into some real shit, I think. Like, you're going to have crime regardless of that. But the moment you start to defund the police, who's going to tell the police department they have to show up to a call? You know, what are they going to do? Fire them? You know, that's, that's what, that's where this will head in a violent way, I think, if we continue to push for defunding. And it's a necessary place to go, but that's the stuff I'm concerned with. Because at the end of the day, the cops don't have to do their jobs, as we've seen. Like, I, I personally, as a citizen, especially in the apartment industry, I've called the police a handful of times for various reasons. Um, several times, they've just straight up never shown up. Like, I called him the other day because there was a dude beating his girlfriend and vice versa. They were having a straight up fist fight, like, off property. 
And I'm like, hey, uh, y'all might want to get out here because she's sitting in her truck. He's in the bed of the truck and he's trying to like break through the glass. They didn't show up for 20 goddamn minutes, bro. <laughs> like, to me, that was like, y'all need to get out here for this. Like, this is something y'all do, right? Nah. You call the police. I don't even call the police. Oh, but I, ha- I mean, it's my job. I've, legit, I've yeah. legit had people like in my backyard before. And, oh, no, like, this is my job, though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, as a, if it had well, been no, me, I'd be, I'm just saying, I'd be sitting like, there I, looking out the yeah. blinds like, the fuck they doing? No. Uh, yeah, no, I feel you. No, like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, well, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, the, the police don't serve me. Yeah. They don't serve like, those people. They needed help. I got a better chance of getting shot by them than getting shot by anybody creeping in my house. They needed help. Police yeah. ain't helping them. Now, if I call the police because, you know, I I don't want to get into the weeds, but you you know what I mean. Like That's to me, it. it's it's not a war between the police and crime. Crime's here. The police can be wherever you want them to be. Crime's not going to increase or decrease. You need to match the level of funding versus the output of the police to reach those equal you know points. It's my my philosophy on on economic spending. I think it's more of a, a, a cultural thing, though, um, the American culture in terms of our, our quote unquote need or want for police and more police means more safety. Uh, because, I mean, we have a lot of examples to where, you know, defunded police, reduced police, police without guns have worked in other countries, other, you know, very well, well developed countries as well. But with the American culture, though, we really don't like looking at other places and say, oh, yeah, they're doing better than us. Let's copy them. Yeah. We're like, we should be the, the trendsetters and set the pace. So whatever we do is, is perfect and they should follow us. Um, when, you know, quite a few countries have been, have been critiquing about America as a whole that, you know, y'all keep saying that y'all are so great, but, you know, you have the highest level of gun violence and, and murders and all this kind of stuff going on. And you have more and more police and more and more guns, but it's not really working. So maybe you want to try something else. So I think as of right now with our current culture, though, we're still um, kind of so torn or, or don't really understand what it would be to have less police. And I could see as over time, as, you know, people change, you know, people grow up, the culture changes too. People can start to see, yeah, there could be another way to go about this where there's less of a police presence. Um, maybe less of them having guns or anything like that too. But for right now, though, it's so ingrained. I can see why there's such major pushback and, and, and fear, honestly, when someone mentions them like defund the police, because they can't really see what that would be. Like they can't look over and see it for other countries and say, okay, that could work here. All they see is right, what's right in front of them. And they say, okay, well, if they're gone, then what's going to be there? When we could have, you know, other departments that work with the police, not be police officers per se, but they could work with them and help them with their jobs. Um, if we have the issues of defunding to where the police don't want to do their jobs, well, at that point, we also pay a lot to our military as well. Bring them in temporarily so you can reestablish the police in that, in that new location. Um, because, again, at the end of the day, it's all about the money and capitalism. So if they won't do their jobs, then get rid of them and say, hey, we're going to hire less police. We're going to pay them a lot more, though. Do you want to train for this job or not? I'm sure people will show up to, to work for that job, too. So there's ways around it. Of course, it's never going to be just a smooth, easy transition. But if you can, can have the foresight of seeing that it's going to be, you know, worth more and, you know, be more productive in the long run, you can take certain steps to get there and still keep people safe as best you can along the way. So it's not just a zero sum game of, you know, if we take money away, who's going to leave? Crime's right. going to take over America and now we're a criminal state. That's not how it's going to work if we can actually plan it out and have that foresight and vision of how to get there. And the reason why we want this change to happen, not we're not changing for the sake of change, 
it's for the betterment of everybody. It's for the safety of everybody. It's to save people's lives. And if you can look at it that way, then you can start actually thinking and playing around to see how this could best work and benefit everybody. And I 100% agree, but isn't that antithesis to what our government is? You know, I'm up for election. I'm up for election in two years. Fuck 10 years from now. I mean, the pessimistic, the pessimistic view on that is that we lack the foresight to actually do something of that nature from the standpoint of, you know, police. I think, I think police unions are rightfully scared that they're going to lose jobs, but that doesn't have to be the case if we do this correctly. There, if you, Start separating. If you start spending, spreading that money out now, some of that money, in theory, would go away. It would go to education, and it would help us <laughs> raise better, better kids because we're investing in them instead of investing in in a police state. But some of these, some of this money could go to, as y'all have been saying, restructuring the department. That means new jobs if you can get trained in those areas, and that's how you can start to sell it and fix it. It's a similar thing with the environment. People in the oil industry get worried about their jobs, and I understand that. But if you do it correctly, you have a whole new industry that you need to be training people for and new jobs that you need to be training people for. So there should be some kind of overlap and transition in there. Now, is that going to fix it for everybody? Of course not. Uh, that's just unfortunately not how capitalism works. But, I mean, there these should be selling points that we can we can figure out and bridge the gaps in some of these arguments but instead everyone goes into their their perfect little corner and retreats and is like well we'll just stay the same because no one has the foresight to get in the weeds and really plan these kind of things out especially not our government officials who as austin points out are generally pretty short-sighted but i think even like the bigger thing when you think about is are we making these changes for the police to make them happy or are we doing it for the greater population no, no. So I mean, against- you're 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 right in that standpoint, but in in in, in a certain way, especially if you're going to have the police attacking every type of change that we do, you it helps to have them on board. So if you have oh, selling oh, if if you have wait, selling wait. Po- if you have selling points that can help keep them on board more so than not, that's optimal. You know me, man. I want to tear the whole goddamn system. No, so, I'm not even tearing so, it down. But, but, but I'm, I'm just the- saying, I, I don't care if they're happy about it or not per se. I just do understand their their realistic fears, and I know you do too. I'm not saying you don't, but at the same time, it's just like it's like I I, I I'm looking for carrots, man, because it, time and time again we get these situations where we have these solutions, and then they're just like, well, no, I don't like those solutions. And I'm just like, well, what solutions do you like, and how do I get you on board to make you like them? Because these are so, these are viable options, and you're not even considering. Well, I'm saying again, I think we're, we're again trying to treat them differently than normal people so in every industry if someone sees a way to either downsize or have efficiency it happens just because it's better for the for the business as a whole or for the, the customers or whatever you do it because it, it makes you more productive like there for yourself when you we were writing for 24 7 they get bought by cbs and they downsize did they try to make your life like perfect to find you somewhere else like no they did give you a nice thing Right. So, <laughs> yeah, no, so no. right. So then that's usually what the go to is, is like, okay, you will be compensated in a way, but we don't have to assure that you're going to be around. If you find out that your job is done by like five people, it can be done by two and have the same level, if not better, in terms of protecting the community, then you got to do it. The main thing is making changes so it benefits more people, not just the police. It benefits right. the majority of the people because they're being paid to do a service for the people. We're not, we don't have them there just so they can, you know, have a, a good job and be cushioned and all that kind of stuff. That's don't not we the whole though? point of it. I mean, I agree, but that's, don't that's we what though? It's, that's what yeah. it seems like. But I'm saying that's yeah. why I think yeah. that mindset's kind of messed yeah. up. It's yeah. like, 
they, these roles are here to service people. If people aren't getting good service, we have to change that either by taking money away, having penalties, whatever, reducing the amount, adding more people. Something's going on to where we're not getting good service. So now heads have to roll because that's how it works in life. That's just life right there. Um, I know that's how it works in life, but that's not how it works for America and our government. Because if that was the case, there would be a lot of our uh, congressmen that have been pushed out of office a long ass time ago. That's yeah, true. And, 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 and you're but, right. You're right from an altruistic standpoint, yeah, and you're you're not like it's just if CBS had done that, and I had and I was, and there are dozens of television shows that praise writers, and writers were these national heroes. And so, and so, and then CBS did that to me. And then I wrote a column saying, Hey, CBS did this to me. And because they did this to me, your life will now be directly affected. Then CBS would then have to worry about what I, what I do in response to their actions. So, and that's not, that's not the most perfectest analogy, but my point no, is, that, though, my, that, my point is that the police wield actual power that I do not, or that the average employee does not, that changes the way that minds are and i you're right but they, that but they don't they, they should don't. They, they do don't. but they, they don't they do. the union does hold on hold on the union does the union does they, they, they don't but yeah. they are the union and they are the and the reason that the union wields that power is because a they've been given it over time but b we have thousands and thousands of television shows that show if if joe if 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 lo cool j isn't on the street you're gonna get kidnapped and that kidnapper is gonna shoot you in the head and that's real. That's that's that plays into the minds of the people who can help make change, which is us. And that's so, what I and that's what I mean. I, as a, average Joe Blow HEB employee, when they when the company decides to downsize, no one cares if I lose my job, but they care if the police lose their job. And we have to figure out how to make them. I don't want to say stop caring, but care less. But again, you're saying it. it they don't have the power. We do. We choose to support them and to say, hey, if a policeman loses their job, it makes me upset. And I'm upset and I vote. I vote people into being the mayor, into Congress, like you're saying, JR. So I had the power to decide. So at the end of the day, we have this myth or this mindset that, yeah, they have all this power. And really, it's like we have chosen or some section of our community has chosen to uplift the police to this level to won't let anything happen to them. If we change that tomorrow, we could change everything about it too. Well, I, so know, I agree with both of y'all. I guess I guess I'm a little lost though. What exactly are you attacking on it, Derek? Because like I agree with Daniel, but like, are you saying what's the solution? No, I'm saying there's a whole sector of people who keep who allow them yeah, to idiots. power. No, well, I'm, I mean, but they exist. I mean, yeah, I, mean yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I can't I can't make them not idiots. That's my that's yeah, I guess yeah, my right. point. Well, so, but I guess my question like, is like, how yeah, do if we? Me, if me, you, and Daniel, and the rest of the I don't want to even say educated masses rise up and. <laughs> I mean, Derek, how dare you attack our listeners? <laughs> I, I, ah, but no, but the like, people, there's, there, the people. There's a lot of there's a lot to overcome. I guess yeah. uh, when I, when Daniel thinks of it, he thinks of us as citizens. Why? Well, I, I agree. And, and he, and he's as a right. business, the police but should be running like when, when I think of it, I think of the thousands and thousands and millions of people who are going to continue to propagate the idea that the police should wield that power. Um, the and, Tucker it's, Carlson it's, crowd. And, and it's very daunting <laughs> because there's lots of them. <laughs> but that, but that, that, that crowd exists based off of misinform, misinformation. Right. That's a whole other aspect of the game as well. Right. With the day and age that we're in, like how you were alluding to earlier where it's not 
uh, illegal or like the police aren't going to chase anybody down for building a missile and send it to another country, which is what our government does. The government also allows people to get on uh, TV and say, um, yep. our, our 44th president is a black monkey who is from Kenya and should not have ever been president at all. And nobody bats an eye because apparently that is protected by our constitution and freedom of speech and all kinds of other shit. But because all that is, you have all these things laid on top of each other because of our government, a lot of things that we're saying that we want to change can't change until we start to adjust things at the base level. Are you? I know you're anti-capitalism for the most part, too. Like, do you feel that the government, because I, I feel at a certain point, the businesses are the reason we're going to see positive change, but on the flip side, they're the reason we're going to be fucked. So what I mean by that is like Twitter had finally pulled the trigger and, and banned uh, uh, Trump, and yeah. and that has tangible great progress. Like that did good for the country, I would say, in my in my opinion. Temporarily, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it doesn't get rid of it, but you know, so that's good. As a business, they stepped up where other people could not. On the flip side, they have too much power. So I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do you think? specifically what we talked about recently with Atlanta, do you think businesses stepping in, Coke stepping in, MLB stepping in, and saying that y'all need to defund the police, is that the only way this changes? Or do you think it is through elections? Because I'm cynical. I don't think elections are going to change. I honestly do believe it would have to probably come from the businesses because the businesses yield what the government wants most, which is money. So if you have the Coke brothers stepping in and saying something along the lines of... Oh, I meant Coca-Cola, right but them too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, them motherfuckers too. Them motherfuckers too. Yeah. Yeah. They went up and just die. Uh, Bernie Madoff, dude. That dude was serving 150 years. <laughs> I was like, damn. Bernie's <laughs> like, I ain't gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got my uber rich white guys mixed up. My bad. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. Bernie Madoff just died. No, I, and I agree with you. I, I just, I, it's a question that like I, I personally wrestle with because I agree that I think businesses are the only ones that can affect the change. But if we give them more power, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, that, that ain't gonna already work. do have so much. And so the tough thing about that is how much more power can we give somebody who already has the power to effectively change things via lobbyists? Via, you give them the police. Um, Good point. Super PAC. I, I think that's it. That's the only thing the government has that that Elon doesn't is the police. <laughs> yeah, he's I mean, on police space force. Yeah, he's on the verge of getting space force. Oh, yeah. no. I think, uh, and I he's going to pay better, too. I think yeah, it's really, something that JR touched on that I had been meaning to say earlier that I think is something, I guess, why I was, I don't know, I don't feel like I was arguing with him. I just think we were discussing something that he, oh, he wants to fight. Oh, well, then it's a fight then. No, but, uh, is that there's a lot of people out there who think that freedom justifies any situation. The idea that we can do, quote unquote, whatever we want compared to other countries justifies kids dying by, by, cause we don't have the proper gun control justifies people of color dying because our police are in, are quote unquote, upholding our freedoms by, by vicious means. And I don't know how to untangle that and how to how to fix that when there's so much of the population that thinks no matter that freedom comes at a cost and this is that right. cost. Um, and that's the, been it's, and, yeah. and it's been ingrained in in that mindset uh, for for generations that yeah. there's a cost for freedom 
and that cost is this. Well, like how 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 far back does that ridiculous saying go about um, you know, not giving up a lifetime of liberty for a moment of, of safety or something like that? I'm I'm mis wording uh, I think y'all I think you know what I'm talking about. Um I and I thought I yeah. Before. Yeah, and I've always thought that's one of the worst I don't I just I, I hate when I hear it uttered by people that are trying to justify some of the BS and some of the bullshit that goes on nowadays. It's like, you know, because they're the same people that tell us, oh, well, the police job is so hard. Hey, every once in a while, somebody's going to get killed. And it's like, you, what? <laughs> you know, so, so we need all the guns that we can possibly have out on the streets and all types of guns because liberty. Um, and, and don't worry, we'll keep you safe. So you'll get your moments, moments of freedom because we're going to have so many guns out there that nobody there are going to do anything to us. And then we're also going to have the cops, who, by the way, are going to kill you as well. So it's like, where, at what point is this liberty ever going to come for certain people in this country? Because I don't think it's ever going to get there if we're going based off these ridiculous quotes that they're throwing out there. And they were heading there until Reagan. I mean, I'm just saying. It's ridiculous. I actually want to do a quick edit to Derek's quote. It's more freedom comes at a cost and someone else will pay it for me. That's really what it is. It's, yeah, I I will love my freedoms and I don't lose anything because I haven't had a family member, you know, gunned down by the police or beat up or whatever. I see it on the TV, but I don't know these people. And I like having my guns or I see someone's kid gets shot or a school gets shot up, but hey, my kids are fine, so... I don't want to not have guns because, you know, I haven't lost anything yet. So, yeah, keep on doing what you're doing. You know, keep the gun laws the same. Keep the police the exact same because I haven't lost it out on anything. It's and working I, for me. Yeah, it's working for me. People I know haven't had anything happen to them. So, you know, I'm so apart from it. Yeah, keep it the same. I I, I really want nothing to ever change just because, you know, it's benefiting me with, with no with no downside. And when people can't really have that empathy for what's going on for other people, not in their community or that that don't look like them. And that's how we get these issues where people are fighting so hard for these things that are, you know, seem so obvious to everybody else that either have gone through it or know somebody or someone that looks like them or can have some a bit of empathy. That, yeah, it seems, you know, no brainer that we need to have some kind of control over guns. But, again, some people really just can't see that through someone else's eyes, and that's kind of causing a lot of these issues. I would even say that they can't see it. Um, just looking at, like, a lot of things, from back in those days. Well, how can we say a lot of things from back in those days? The things that we're talking about were institutionalized 50, 60 years ago. These are things that our grandparents were dealing with or uh, even older relatives. So these aren't misnomers that were like way back in the day that we still haven't been able to figure out a way to overcome them. These are things that are still fresh for this country that they're trying to figure out. Um, and I would say even... One of the things I heard somebody say beforehand was comparing America to uh, South America. So mm. one of the crazy things with South America, not South America, South Africa, what South Africa was when they finally ended basically apartheid and it started giving control of the country back to the African, the Native Africans, uh, they basically said, oh, hey, you remember how your people came and took all this farmland and everything else like that? Well, we're taking it back. In the global news, they were demonized for that. 
Right. So a lot of the times what they look what they look at when kind of alluded to these things is if we start to give minorities or those uh people of color more power or more say so, we run the risk of turning into South Africa type right. of thing. So it's like, Oh, that's been a fear for white America for a long time now, becoming the minority. Because it's that guilt factor of like, well, what we've been doing is gonna happen to us. But that's just not how yeah. it works. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's what that's what you're facing when you're facing these people who don't want to see the big pictures. You know, you're facing people who are either a terrified of sins that they may or may not have a part of, um, but they're the benefit benefactor of, and and that fear is in their head because they've been told from a young age that this is going to happen. Yeah, and and yeah. it's hard to combat that fear. It's hard to combat that fear. And so we're gonna leave it there. It's a very tough discussion. To be frank and to be open and honest, we've been going way into the weed at hours of the night here. Terrell Huff is very sleepy. I can see it in his eyes. Very sleepy. This hey, is. Man, I gotta be on the show in the morning. I gotta get up. Oh you shit! Know, <laughs> no, what show was that, Terrell? Most of it is pregame, so trust me. I was, gonna get I was, I was trying to plug you, bro. <laughs> 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 Now's not the time. Ticket seven sixty ten to twelve Sunday 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 Sunday. Well, this this is your the captain speaking. This is oh, smooth. Lord. This is a smooth, oh. smooth Derek on the midweek take as we ride on now. The body goes down. Right. To the lifeboats. Uh, to, life, to the lifeboats. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, thank yeah. you for joining us. Uh, Daniel Davidson, my yeah, man. Appreciate you being uh, on the program, man. Say goodbye to the people. So long, people. JR, your two episode stint with us has concluded. How do you feel? Rate yourself. <laughs> One to ten. Please on a 10 days. Um, <laughs> 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 You're not about to have Isaiah Thomas my ass. I'm telling you this right now. Okay, I'm coming back. He's not putting up shots oh. in the gym. I'm not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently, apparently, he's forcing his way back on the program. Thank you for joining us, sir. I, I hope you had fun. Uh, I did. I enjoyed myself. I appreciate the invite, bro. <laughs> Terrell Huff, you've already plugged yourself, but go ahead and say goodbye again. Yes, sir. Uh, hey, man. We about. Check me out tomorrow. It's Dylan. We'll be on the Blue Collar Sports Dads, 10 to 12, like every Sunday. Catch us on the iHeart app. And, uh, yeah, man. He says tomorrow, but what he doesn't realize is this will be dropped on Wednesday. He will have already <laughs> done his program. Sundays. Hey, man, I'm working on a promo thing. Sundays, 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 man. It's a very tired. That's a very tired man. Also, Brazina. Support the arts because we are. The arts. <laughs> there you go. I love. Yeah. I love when Dale no does does Terrell's <laughs> closing for him. Yeah. Also, Brazina, we go for four in a row next time, man. We go for well, four. As long as we don't get to race for six, that's just. Okay. Well, I am a question. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> I have a question, man. Dr. Lewis. Third, Not. Baby. He's awake enough to do that. <laughs> All right. His final bit of strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. <laughs> what a what a final plot twist. This has been a midweek's take. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Just kidding. Everything. Goodbye. I don't know if that's a long list or not. Midweek's take. <laughs> <laughs> it was all loud. <laughs> it was. It wasn't a whisper at all. Goodbye.